Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. It's Tennessee Matters on the Tennessee Radio Network. Welcome to Tennessee Matters. I'm Rebecca Hughes of the Tennessee Radio Network. The United States federal government was ordered to pay over $230,000 to victims of one of the largest mass shootings in the country. This case was tried in federal court through the Federal Tort Claims Act and found the U.S. government 60% liable for failing to provide the shooter's prior domestic violence convictions to the FBI. The case is similar to the mass shooting at Virginia Tech and others, except the feds settled those cases and admitted their wrongdoing. The results of this case could have long-lasting effects on all the states, including Tennessee. On Tennessee Matters, today we're talking to the lead attorney in the Sutherland Springs mass shooting case, Jamal Alsafar. Welcome to the show, and let's go ahead and jump in. I know that you were the lead attorney on the Sutherland Springs mass shooting in Texas, a horrible, horrible thing that happened there. I know that it has implications for how the government was found responsible for that tragedy. Let's talk about that case. And why don't you catch us up as to what happened? Because that was in 2017, correct? Yes. And and first, I just want to say thank you for for having me and, and talking about this really important issue that's relevant, not only to to where I am in Texas, but to everybody. And the Sutherland Springs church shooting, you might remember, is one of the worst mass shootings in the United States history. It's the worst mass shooting in Texas history. And it happened on November 5th, 2017, at a small little one-stop light town in Sutherland Springs, Texas, when a former Air Force service member walked into this small little chapel and murdered 26 people and uh, injured 22 more with an AR-15 that he had purchased legally because the federal government had failed to enter his convictions and felonies into the national background check system. So just a little background for your listeners. There's a mandatory federal law that requires everyone who's been convicted of a dangerous felony to be reported to the national background check system so that when they try to buy guns, they cannot. It prevents them from buying guns at federally licensed stores. Question might be asked, well, how in the world is the federal government, the Air Force, responsible for this mass shooting? Well, in this case, the Air Force actually convicted the shooter before the shooting of two horrible felonies, beating his wife and fracturing the skull of his child, using a gun as an intimidating weapon in those uh, violent cases. They convicted him, put him in jail. He got a, a wrongful discharge, and they failed dozens of times to to do the one thing they're required to do, which is report those convictions to the background check system. So fast forward, he walks into 
a gun store buys an AR-15, bunch of other weapons, and a and thousands of rounds of ammunition, and then goes down to this church and murders all these people. And the lawsuit, we went to trial, and the court found that federal government, had they followed the law and done what they're supposed to do, would have prevented this mass shooting. I mentioned earlier, how does this relate to others, other mass shootings? Well, we know that in, for example, the Virginia Tech University mass shooting years ago, that was also a failure by federal government to properly report that shooter to the background check system that would have subjected him to arrest. The Charleston church shooting, South Carolina, just down the road from Virginia, also was a federal government failure to enforce the background check laws that resulted in that horrible church shooting. And then the Parkland High School, Florida shooting, also a failure by federal law enforcement to follow the background check reporting laws, resulted in a mass shooting, killing 19 children. So this is not new, this problem. This case was the first case in, that I'm aware of in American jurisprudence where the federal government was actually tried before a federal court and found uh, negligent and responsible and taken all the way to a trial verdict for what we now know to be an over 30-year failure to report convicted felons to the background check system. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yes, because it's a and, huge tragedy. All of those people would still be here today. They and, would. And let, and let me let me add, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but let me add that just so your listeners understand why this case is so important and why I don't understand why the Department of Justice is even thinking of appealing this, is that I just listed off the top of my head four or five mass shootings that would have been prevented had the government done and followed the mandatory law to report convicts. This applies to, to also not just mass shootings, but every act of gun violence that's been committed by what we now know to be tens and tens and tens of thousands of convicts that have been able to get weapons legally because the government hasn't been implementing these really good background check laws. I mean, it's not the law's fault. Right. It's a good background checks work. Right. They actually work really well. And what we were really proud of in this case, uh, Rebecca, was that we proved for the first time in a court of law with thousands of pages of evidence, thousands of hours of testimony, that our national background check system is really good when implemented, and it worked. And for the government to, to lose that and then file an appeal, which essentially undermines the president's push to apply background checks, really is a cynical way to approach it. This isn't like controversial. This has been polled. I think it's like 90% plus of Americans, doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on, agree that violent criminals who've been convicted and tried for their crimes and put in jail don't get guns anymore. Right. You're not allowed to have guns. And no one really disagrees with that. And what we were able to prove in our trial was it really worked. We had the director of the FBI that runs the federal background check system testify under oath that we've prevented millions of dangerous felons from getting guns because we have a two minute, it takes like one to two minutes mm -hmm. to do a background check when you at, at the time of purchase. And then it really keeps them out of the hands of criminals. And guess what? If a criminal does try to get a gun, they're automatically subject to a 10 year conviction. It's one of the easiest convictions to get. So there really is a deterrent. And, and so kind of what we don't understand is the Department of Justice made these families, you know, they, they didn't really deny that they they helped cause this shooting and that they were they were severely negligent in allowing this to happen. And yet they made these families go to court and then they made them testify in depositions. Then they made them testify in court and go through two trials, just 
reopening their wounds, yeah. re-victimizing them. And then these heroes, these families who heroically went through that and exposed themselves that way, won. And now the government has total discretion to decide whether it's worth appealing this. So the only, only two things can be raised on appeal. They either have to say an illegal document that we don't think background checks work because that's the only way they can win. They argued that at trial and, and, and lost pretty, pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Or what's worse, if, if they don't argue that background checks don't work to try to save face, they then what's even the worst argument is they'd have to argue, well, even though we agree they work to keep dangerous felons from killing people and hurting them, mm-hmm. even though those work, we, the federal government law enforcement agencies, don't have to follow federal mandatory federal laws to report these convicts because we're immune. And so that's almost worse. Right. <laughs> um, and that's what they'd have to argue. And so. They have the discretion not only not to re-victimize these heroic families who, who helped fix this mess, but they also have the discretion to actually make our country safer and actually say, you know what, we're not going to appeal this because we do believe what the president believes, and that is that these gun safety laws to report dangerous films really work to reduce gun violence. You know, it kind of falls under that old saying that just because you can, it doesn't mean you should. Exactly. I tell my children that all the time. Call it the kindergarten principle, you know. I mean, so many of this is just common sense, and that's what I'm saying. You know, we t- I tell my three kids that all the time. It's like, you know, you have a lot of choices in life that you're you may be allowed to do, but you shouldn't do because character matters. And like I said, we're talking about just like in the Virginia Tech shooting when that came to light about the federal government errors. There wasn't an, an, a real common sense Virginian who was saying, "Yeah, I, I think he could should have gotten a gun with all his mental health." <laughs> issues and all and, and the laws he had violated that that showed he wasn't safe that he should be allowed to get a, a gun and, and wipe out a ton of people right um, that's the same thing here the, the only difference is we we were allowed to go to a court of law and show all the documents and one thing I didn't say earlier is that what's really worse about the Department of Justice deciding to to appeal this is and ask the court either to say that the background checks don't work or that they don't have to follow mandatory federal law is that prior to the shooting in Sutherland Springs, the government was warned by the Department of Defense's own inspector general for 30 years. Let me say that a little bit slower. The government was warned for 30 consecutive years that they were not reporting dangerous felons to the background check system at a 30 to 50 percent error rate. Meaning for 30 years, the federal government was being investigated by the Department of Defense and being told by the Department of Defense, you are not reporting one, almost one out of every two convicted felons to the background check system, which adds up to probably like 100,000 or more felons who were able to get guns during that time period. We learned through sort of just deep diving discovery that just four days before this mass shooting, Law enforcement came out and visited this guy on his property in Texas. There was some issue going on, and it was, you know, they didn't know what they were walking into. They didn't know that this guy had a violent background. Because why? Because the federal government didn't report him. So they mm-hmm. had no idea. So they look him up, and he looks clean, and then they go encounter him and have a discussion. It's kind of heated. This guy is really rude right. to the police officers and tells them in the middle of the conversation, by the way, and he taps his hip, I'm carrying a weapon right now, which, by the way, is legal in Texas. Mm -hmm. It's okay to do that, have a concealed weapon. Now you can open carry, but 
what he was saying wasn't per se illegal. He was just letting them know I've got a weapon on. And they're like, that's OK. You know, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. What's cra- But if the federal government had reported this guy the dozens of times that they were required to report this guy, when that happened, they would have looked him up before they walked to his property and said, oh, this guy's a convicted felon. And the moment he tapped his hip and said, I have a gun, he's subject to arrest. He would have been in jail on the day of the shooting. Yeah. He would have been in jail. And that's what's so tragic. And that's why these checks work. They not only prevent at point of sale, but even if there's an error at the point of sale, if they encounter law enforcement at any time after they buy it illegally and that's reported, then the law enforcement then has an opportunity to also arrest them and, and put them through system the way they're supposed to be. And that's that's why this is so important is we actually know not only that had the government done what they're supposed to do, they would have stopped this shooting, but this guy also would have been in jail and maybe still in jail, which is exactly where he belonged without ever having the opportunity to kill anybody. Wow, that is insane. I mean, truly. Where are the and checks they, and, and balances? That, that, that's the question. Well, well, you know, the question I get the most is, well, Jamal, well, well if the own inspector general of the Department of Defense was issuing these reports to the Air Force, Navy, Marines, and the entire Department of Defense, Pentagon as well. Why wasn't it fixed? I'll tell you why. Because there wasn't ultimate accountability in a courtroom. They never got, there was never a suit brought. There was never, so they just got away with it for 30 years with sort of like a, a slap on the wrist. There were no fines. There were no real consequences for anyone in the higher up levels that were allowing this to happen. Mm-hmm. This is actually the good news so far. And this is why we think the appeal would be a real terrible decision is that because of these families stepping up and filing this lawsuit and because we put them under the microscope, we subpoena documents, we deposed people at the highest levels of government, people um, with stars you know, on their shoulders and colonels, and we put them under oath. We proved what they were doing for 30 years. They finally changed. It wasn't the Department of Defense or Inspector General that got them to change. It was these families in this lawsuit. They changed the system. They implemented checks and balances that our experts told them they needed to do. And not only that, they they put back tens of thousands of felons into the background check roles. They didn't do any of that until this tragedy happened and until this lawsuit went forward. And they did it because they knew, well, the court, we don't, the courts will make us liable. We'll be in big trouble if we don't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, it sort of puts me in disbelief that the DOJ would then say, well, despite all of that, we're going to ask the court to not hold it to say we don't have to follow those laws, even though we broke them for 30 years right. and caused this mass shooting and others. The definition of mass shooting, my understanding, is three or more, which right. if you want to get into language, I don't know how mass three is, but these are human lives. So I'm OK calling three or more a mass shooting. Right. Yeah. But we're not talking three people or six people. We're talking 26 people who lost their lives and another 22 who were injured. And we don't know how many of those injured may have changed their life. Maybe they're in a wheelchair. Maybe they can't work. We do. We do know they're my clients. Yeah. Well, that's true. You know, we have, we have a nine-year-old, we have a nine-year-old boy who's gone through 30 surgeries. He's nine. Oh my gosh. He's, he's permanently disabled. He'll never have kids he was shot in the abdomen and he lost that function Mm. he's never going to be able to use one of his arms his legs one of his legs was destroyed and he's you know he's permanently disabled there as well he's going to have a lifetime lost earnings and he will have probably dozens of surgeries in his future life 
millions of dollars in medical bills that right now the parents are having to go do charity fundraisers just to pay doctor bills while the government who caused this is appealing this. That's one. We have another client in his 20s, permanently paralyzed in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Home doesn't even have ramps to be able to get get his wheelchair around his house. That's part of the damages as well that the government is saying we don't want to pay for even though we we caused it. Wow. Um, another child was uh, a seven-year-old at the time of the shooting, shot like eight or nine times. Also, leg exploded, um, abdomen exploded, permanent lifetime injuries. Um, is going to need medical care and nursing care already for the rest of her life. Millions of medical bills in the future and medical care needed. Government's appealing that as well. So, you know, the headlines are always the death because those are that's the ultimate payment for negligence is losing your life. And those are horrible. One family member in this church lost five generations of his family. Oh. This negligence by the government almost wiped out his entire family tree. Wow. And so those are horrific. But um, most of these survivors, part of the 22 injured, are dealing with a lifetime of physical injuries. And I have not even mentioned that even the government's own expert at trial said every one of these survivors has not only PTSD, mm-hmm. they testify that they're going to have to de- live with the rest of their life. Many of them can't even go outside if there's any more than one or two people in a crowd because right. they, they, uh, they get flashbacks. They get real-time flashbacks, not just nervousness, heart racing, and anxiety. They actually relive have a it. form of blackout yeah. where they relive it. Those folks, the government's own expert, said they don't only have PTSD, they have the severest form, the kind that's called unrelenting or unremitting PTSD, the kind that soldiers have when they're in close combat warfare and see some of the most horrific things. Of course, those are soldiers who are ready and understand that's part of what they're getting into, and they were armed. These families were in a chapel, literally a sanctuary when the most horrific type of violence was visited on them while they were sitting in their pews praying to their God. So that's kind of why when we talk about the deaths, it's not just the sanctity of life lost, it's the sanctity of the life left living where you are living with the damage and this horrific trauma that you, you know, you can't avoid. We've had several of our family members who since the initial year or two of sort of processing the trauma, they're now really dealing with suicide and fighting off, feeling that they need to end their lives, too, because of this trauma. A lot of these damages that the court found are related to providing help in that way, psychiatric help, testing, medical help, obviously, medical equipment, redoing some of these homes so that these paralyzed folks can move around easier. It's simple things that make their lives a little bit better, and the government could end that and start providing that today if they wanted to. Oh, yeah. And and as a taxpayer, I mean, everybody knows there's not a single branch of government that has its own money. Every stitch of money comes from taxpayers mm-hmm. in one form mm-hmm. or another. And I know that that's a big chunk of money, of taxpayer money to spend on this, but I don't think there's a single citizen that would say, nah, we don't need to do it. And moreover, okay, so spend the money, but who is going to lose their job? Who's going to go to prison? Who's going to actually pay the price? (laughs) You know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Any other institution, heads would have rolled. Yes. Um, Top to bottom. Every one of the families I represented, I asked them at the very beginning, four four years ago, what is it you really want out of this? And every single one of them said, I want to make this country safer and make sure that this gets changed so that this doesn't happen again or 
even if we don't prevent all shootings or all mass shootings, we're actually making a better place. And I said, I can do that. We can do that. And, and we were able to do it in terms of the system change, but in terms of responsibility, you know, the secretary of the air force cabinet level position folks testified under oath in Congress. And in our cases as well, other high level officials that they were wrong and they screwed up and they bared responsibility. Not one of those folks got any kind of reprimand, not one. Nobody got any any kind of consequences for this. And so the only consequence is the government saying, well, we're going to be held liable and have to pay these families for what we did. And they're trying to avoid that, too. Mm -hmm. So if they go through this appeal, they're just they're just towing the same line they did for the last 30 years is is, well, you can't really hold us accountable in the end. And and we're going to argue that on appeal. And I get and I guarantee you that the folks that really care about gun violence, and I think that's everyone Mm -hmm. and gun safety don't agree with that. And that includes the president. It's kind of like, well, are you guys talking to each other? Because your Department of Justice is undermining every argument you make about why these safety laws work right. um, in, in this country. And because and we're modern jurisprudence, if you show that you don't care about the Constitution and you don't care about the safety of others and you're willing to commit violence on other people innocently, then you you give up the right to have the the right, the other rights that we have and privileges, right. including your freedom in jail and including you shouldn't be able to buy guns anymore. Right. Exactly. Right. And and I'm and I question where are the politicians, you know, I mean, I politicians are elected and they answer to us. But I don't know about you, but I don't feel like they're answering much to us these days. I feel like it's more of a telling us what to do all the time, which is mm-hmm. frustrating because I'm not a child. I am an adult. I don't need a parent anymore. I I didn't elect my representatives to be my parents. I elected them to represent what I think is best for the country as a whole. And there should never be a sense of they don't have to be accountable to us. That's where everything's going to go downhill. And, yeah, the Department of Justice is not elected, but that's all the more reason why the politicians who have been elected need to be putting pressure on everyone in that department to do what's right. We see it all the time. Politicians, when it's the right issue and it's about safety, they they always come in and go, listen, yeah, the, the, these folks are going to make their own decision. But, you know, the attorney general is appointed by a political appointee. That's the president. Mm-hmm. And the president's elected. Let's take a bigger picture view here because you made a good point. This isn't an instance where we're saying, hey, government should do get, you know, get involved in our lives. We're actually saying, no, no. Just be accountable like all the all of us are accountable. Mm-hmm. You broke the law. You broke the law for 30 years. And you, and as a result of that, people have died and, and died in the most horrific ways, including in this church. And and so we're just saying you have to pay for the consequences of your actions. The kindergarten principle, right? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. But there's also the accountability principle. If you break something, you need to fix it. If you harm somebody because of your negligence, you need to fix it. You need to do whatever you can to fix it and to take care of the harm you caused. That's really what it comes down to here. Mm -hmm. And and that's a principle we all agree with. And, And, you know, the number one function of government, local, state or federal, that everyone agrees to, no matter where your political viewpoint, the number one function is. The government is there to make sure they protect their citizens' safety, mm-hmm. number one. And number two, don't do anything to harm your your citizens' safety. Correct. And both those things are in play here. Both those things were violated. They, they didn't protect us. They made us less safe because they weren't following federal laws. 
and they didn't protect us from harm. Yeah, um, because they, didn't, they were told about it for 30 years. They didn't follow they didn't their own it. laws. That's what kills me. They didn't follow their own. I didn't I didn't sit up there and vote that in. You didn't. Well, Congress did. Congress did. Our elected representatives right, did. I mean, right, right. And they're that. the ones that are in charge of those departments. And yet still, it didn't get upheld. Where's the accountability? You've broken trust and trust takes time to rebuild. If you're going to sit and appeal this, then don't expect, at least me, I can speak for me, don't expect me to be trusting you. This well, is not right. the well, case to appeal. Thing. This is a judicial branch. And, and this Department of Justice primary job for all of us, regardless of, of who is president or who you, you know, follow politically, what's the number one job of the Department of Justice? It is to follow and uphold the rule of law. Mm-hmm. This is a federal law that Congress passed that requires you to follow. You didn't. You broke it and people died. So if you believe in upholding the rule of law, then you should take down this appeal and demonstrate that that breaking the law has consequences, even if it's you, the federal government that does it. What better way to demonstrate democracy and the rule of law, which is the founding foundational principle of this country and our constitution is the rule of law. We believe in it more than any other country. What better way to demonstrate our country's principle than the Department of Justice saying, we agree, we should have followed the law, we didn't, we caused this harm, and we're going to take accountability and take care of these victims. Right. Because everybody has to be accountable. I mean, you and I as parents, when we mess up and we hurt our kids' feelings. I wouldn't get away with doing what the federal government did. Yeah, Neither you nor I would have gotten away with this. (laughs) No. No way. And we shouldn't. (laughs) No, no, nobody should. Uh, I'm just appalled. Uh, I obviously haven't really followed the details of that case since it happened. And so to hear this is just jaw dropping to me. Yeah. and, And let me just say, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm on this network and others talking about it, because what you just said is really true. And I actually think it's kind of maybe part of the reason why the Department of Justice appealed it. And I think it was cynical is because most people wouldn't pay attention unless we try to bring it to light. And they could have slipped under the radar, maybe saving themselves a few bucks. And, and at the end of the day, I'm like, the bigger picture here isn't about a few dollars for the federal government treasury. The more important principle here is keeping your citizens safe. And when you fail that, you take care of them as best you can. Do what's right. It's, is, like you said, Kindergarten 101, share, be kind, <laughs> be respectful, say sorry when you're wrong, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and take accountability when you do something. Don't, mm-hmm. just, don't just say, I'm sorry your feelings are hurt. Say, I'm sorry I caused that, and what can I do to help? Right, right. It just shocks me that no one's been fired, no one's in prison. That is just unheard of in my mind. That is crazy. Because the one thing powerful people don't like and have never liked is being brought into court and being made to testify under oath mm-hmm. and being subject to subpoena power because there's nowhere to hide at that point. Right. You can you can't you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. You can't just say things and have no one follow up. Mm-hmm. Everything you do is under oath and if you lie about it, boy, I can, you know, then you're subject to perjury. Proving that these laws really do work and that this is a real chance to say, you know what, we agree with you and we are going to make this country safer by taking responsibility for what we did and upholding the fact that we know these laws are really good for all of us. Have any of the other mass shootings that are similar to this that were still, again, caused by the government, do you know if any of those are also being taken to court and taking the government to 
to toe? That you won't believe what I'm about to say. Okay. Yes. The Charleston shooting, you know, the the one where Dylan Roof murdered right. uh, the nine African-American parishioners in church, the Parkland High School shooting. Both of those were federal government failures. Both of those were lawsuits were filed around the same time as ours. And uh, the government actually settled those two. And astonishingly, they settled both of those claims in the middle of our trial. They didn't even offer in our case to even resolve it. The court didn't understand. Our court was yeah. like, what? I don't understand. You resolved those two other ones where you were wrong. And those facts were not as bad as the facts of this case for you. I don't understand. Explain it to me. They had no answer. They just had, you know, they had lawyers answers where they said a lot, but it didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything. Yeah, exactly. Merrick Garland made big press releases about those resolutions, um, invited those families to the White House. Our families were never invited. Oh, my gosh. Um, All of those families and others were invited to the White House at the most recent signing, not our families. The worst church shooting in American history. How, how did they not even get an invite to that? I, I think it's a good place to end is that, you know, at the end of the day, it goes back to those simple ideas, you know, accountability, responsibility and trustworthiness. And we we should hold our federal government to those principles. Yes, I agree. A hundred percent. Is there anything that anybody can do to get involved to either support your clients or to express their displeasure about what's going on, who, who would they contact? I actually think you hit the spot earlier when you said anyone in Virginia that's listening or the Washington, D.C. area should be contacting their local representatives. So their congressmen or women and their senator and say, hey, these victims died because the federal government messed up and you all have an opportunity to publicly go out and say, hey, we want to take care of these families just like we did for the Parkland and Charleston, South Carolina families. That's really that simple. Pick up the phone or email your congressman and congresswoman and or senator. I really appreciate you educating us and letting us know what happened and maybe encouraging us to light a fire up under our own politicians. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I encourage you to send me your questions or comments about today's program. If you have an idea of a topic you'd like to hear on the show, send me an email. The address is Rebecca Hughes at iHeartMedia.com. That's R-E-B-E-C-C-A-H-U-G-H-E-S at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks for tuning into the show on your favorite local radio station. You can now listen to this show or past shows through the iHeart app or on iHeart.com. Just search for Tennessee Matters under podcasts. I'm Rebecca Hughes with the Tennessee Radio Network, and I'll be here next week on Tennessee Matters. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.